It's always me. Thank you, Ruth. And uh, as I was thinking about Val's comment about rocks in her yard and your part of your prayer, Ruth, about salt and light, and uh, this morning we continue to look at some of the other strong and significant pictures in the Bible. Jesus is a master at telling stories and giving pictures to his people to help us understand uh, the kingdom of God and the role that we are invited to play in his kingdom. And so this morning we're continuing our summer sermon series entitled Summer Stories, and we're looking at the parables of Jesus. Uh, And we're going to look at three right in a row, three parables that Jesus tells about something or someone being lost and then being found and, and the party that follows. So I, I sometimes think that uh, the, the headings in our English Bible do us, just, do us an injustice because if you read the headings, these all parables are all about lost things. But if you read the story, these parables are actually about celebrations. And so I want to uh, just invite you to read along. The words are going to be on the screen uh, and uh, or I'll read and you can listen along or you can, if you have a Bible in front of you, you can look up Luke chapter 15. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. But Jesus wasn't done yet. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. The son longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And so finally, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no, excuse me, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and went to his father. But while he was a long ways off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said what he had prepared to say. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they did. They began to celebrate. But meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He heard the music in the house and he heard music and dan- he came near the house and he heard music and dancing. And so he called to one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, the servants replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he, had, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he said to his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered his property, your property, with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So far, the reading of God's word. As I said, we just read three stories who have a title of things being lost, but are actually about celebration. Because we in the West are materialistic people, we usually focus on the object of the story. We focus on the sheep. We focus on the coin. We focus on the son or the younger son or the older son, but maybe we even focus on the father. But we need to wonder together, what is Jesus' focus? What is Jesus trying to teach us about the kingdom of God through these parables? And one of the things that we see is that Jesus is trying to teach us about celebration. The shepherd who loses a a sheep has a celebration where he probably slaughters at least one sheep to celebrate. The woman who loses a coin probably spends at least that coin to celebrate with her neighbors. And likewise, the father who has lost a son and lost with it half of his inheritance or half of his income, his wealth, spends more of his wealth to celebrate when he has the son return. Jesus gives us a kingdom picture about celebration. I did this last week. I'm going to continue to do this throughout the sermon series. But I want to try each week to tell a story that maybe puts this kingdom of God language and pictures in more modern uh, language so that it might open up our hearts and minds to better hear what God is saying this morning. And so you'll be able to see behind me for about a minute um, as I tell this story. This was in my basement after I worked out. And don't worry, I had a shower between then and now. So... Enjoy. A family went on a road trip, as families often do in the summertime. And they set out on a long journey, heading from their mountaintop home toward a city far in the distance. They knew where it was on the map, and they knew the roads that would take them there. And always their hearts were focused on where they were going. 
And so as they, were, as they traveled, they were eager to get there, yet also free to take any number of paths and diverging roads that would lead them to where they were going. They were without fear as to where their path would take them because of the great love that led them to their destination and the fact that they were going together. Jesus says to us, if we have ears, let us hear what he's saying to us. Last week I said that uh, Jesus only explains one of his parables, the parable of the sower, where we started. But here, Jesus shares three rapid-fire parables in succession and actually gives us two hints, well, really three hints, about what we should try to take away or learn. As I already said, when he finds the lost sheep, the shepherd has a celebration. When he finds the lost coin, the woman has a celebration. And on finding his lost son, the father throws a lavish celebration. We too often focus on getting lost, but God wants us to focus on the celebration and the life and joy of the kingdom of God. As Jesus tells these parables, in two of them, he says, This is what the angels in heaven are doing. They're celebrating. And always, Jesus invites us to follow. So we're going to look this morning at what that following looks like. What does it look like to follow the way of Jesus? What does it look like to experience the joy of heaven already now? And we'll wonder together how the celebration of the kingdom of God can actually draw us nearer, nearer to God and to one another. Christians follow the way of Jesus. I've said before that the first call of Jesus is to come and follow me. Christians aren't just interested in the sort of interesting facts or the interesting things that Jesus said or the facts that he did. We actually want to follow the way of Jesus. And this is a key part of professing our faith as well, as Ashley did this morning. When we publicly profess our faith, and when we live and walk our faith in day-to-day life, we're not just saying, yeah, I think Jesus was a good guy. And in fact, we're not even just saying, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We are saying as Christians, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and also, I want to follow him with my whole life. If we want to follow God, we need examples to look at. Pastor Harrison has said this before, and I too, as I've learned from him, I've reminded you that Christians have really two examples that we follow. We follow the early church and we follow the heavenly church. We follow the early church because we see in Scripture how they followed Jesus. And we follow the heavenly church because we see how they already now make up where God is leading us. Jesus here in Luke 15 is quick to remind us about what is going on in heaven. Heaven, Jesus says, is concerned about the lost. Heaven is not concerned about those who are already in heaven. Heaven is not so much even concerned about the righteous. 
Heaven is ready for the party of eternity, where, and they are already enjoying eternity with God. But heaven is concerned for the lost. Jesus says there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 who, righteous persons who do not need to repent. It strikes me that in the midst of our world that is broken and suffering and struggling, in the midst of tension, that celebration is actually quite controversial. You might remember last month there was a big to-do about whether the city of Calgary should have fireworks on Canada Day. Are we allowed to celebrate an anniversary even though our country has a history of brokenness and violence? It's controversial to celebrate in the midst of a world that is still broken. I'm glad that the city chose to have fireworks, although that's a rather small thing. But Christians rejoice that Jesus gives us this glimpse into life in heaven already now. Because that's a big thing. There, there is and there will be one day a big celebration in heaven. A final celebration that goes on into eternity. But already now, Jesus says, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over even one sinner who repents. And as Jesus tells this story to his audience who was then living in turbulent times, and as we hear the words of Jesus again this morning and we live in turbulent times of our own, are we ready to hear the words of Jesus? Are we ready to rejoice with heaven over one lost person being found? Are we ready to look for opportunities to meet with those who are lost, to experience our own lostness and to all together find joy and belonging with God? The Bible really does invite us to experience the joy of heaven already now. The joy of heaven that Jesus talks about, this celebration that characterizes the kingdom, speaks to the profound value of each individual person. Even one sinner who repents, there's joy. And these stories of Jesus also remind us that heaven is the arbiter of true repentance. We are not. Dallas Willard once said, he's a Christian theologian and writer who's uh, since passed away, he says, the gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. Of course, he would have admitted it's, or agreed wholeheartedly it's about both. But living in the kingdom of heaven before you die is the one we underemphasize. The, the invitation of Jesus is not an invitation to eventually get saved. The invitation of Jesus is not some fire insurance to protect you in some possible future while doing nothing to affect your life now. The, the invitation of Jesus to taste and see the kingdom of God is an invitation for all of us to be totally transformed now. Heaven rejoices with each person who joins the kingdom of God. 
now. This is because heaven recognizes the immeasurable value of each person created by God in His image, even if and when we do not. Heaven does not wait or does not will that God's good creation would go to waste, even if we would allow it to be wasted. Heaven does not wait, doing nothing, hoping for the best, even if we are content to sit on our hands. And heaven marks true repentance, which begins in our hearts. We do not. This is why all of us, each of us, are invited to live in the kingdom of heaven already now, here on earth. The kingdom of heaven is bigger than any one person, than any of us, because we worship a God who is bigger than any of us, who is beyond us. God is here through his Holy Spirit. God is knowable and relatable, but God is also over all things. No person can claim to know God fully, just as a shepherd who finds the sheep, or as a woman who finds a coin, or as a father who finds his son, we are the ones who are found. God is greater than all of us. God also has other things going on. God is the one who does the work, who makes our celebration possible. Thus, God is the one who decides who is found and when. God is the one who marks true repentance and who sets the outline for his kingdom. What's our responsibility? What's given to God's people to do? Imagine for a moment that we were Jesus' first listeners. That you had showed up on this uh, overly hot day and the news had said the same thing it did this week. That it's another hot one out there, the hottest day on record And you dare to go out and listen to this street preacher. If you heard these three parables from Jesus, and that was all you heard, you would have to conclude that the people of God or the the church of God, that our primary role is to celebrate. Our primary role is to be part of the party, to be part of the celebration when someone lost is found. The shepherd, the woman, the father does all the work. We're invited to the celebration. And this is where I want to spend a little bit of time before we close this morning. That celebration, the celebration that characterizes the family of God and the kingdom of God, actually draws all people, Christians or not Christians, further up and further in. When we celebrate, we actually find that all of us are drawn in closer. That actually we draw in more who are lost. This is where Jesus ends this series of three parables. We see one lost sheep and it's found. We see one lost coin and it's found. We see a man who has one lost son and his son is found. And then in the midst of a celebration, we actually find that this man has a second son. And the second son is also lost, even though he hasn't gone quite as far. Yet the sound of the celebration, the sound of the party draws in this second lost son as well. 
And in the midst of the party, the father offers him as well an opportunity for true repentance, an opportunity to come and be part of the celebration, to come into the house, to be part of the kingdom of God. Now, I trust that most of us have heard more about Jesus than just this one chapter in the Gospel of Luke. We know, most of us, of course, that there is more to the Christian life than just celebration. We know, as we said earlier, that God is also with us in our grief. But it is profoundly sad that a church that's called at least to celebrate has, through the centuries, so often been torn apart by feuds, by power plays, by judgment or accusation. We don't have to think long to imagine how many older sons have remained lost because the church has not celebrated the way that God has invited us to. We have sinned, as we sang earlier, not just by what we have done, but also by what we have left undone. We have not made it all about Jesus and what he has done for us. We have not celebrated in acknowledging the fullness and power and love and joy of Jesus that is ours in the kingdom of God. You can hear this call to celebration, this call to joy in many places in the Bible. And I want to just highlight one for you. This is the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Ephesian church, a church that was uh, known for, among other things, for their quarrels. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father God, from whom God's whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints again, in heaven and on earth, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When we are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, we cannot help but praise Him. We cannot help but praise Him in the midst of our joys and celebrations and also look to Him with hope and praise even in the midst of our struggles. When we are filled to all the measure of the fullness of God, we cannot help but celebrate. And as we celebrate, we give opportunity for all people who are near and far to hear and see about the goodness of God the goodness of our Father, the persistence of our Shepherd, the the love of the One who looked everywhere until He found us. We can never do enough to to sing the praises of God, to celebrate His goodness to us. But it's worth trying. It's a worthwhile challenge to try to celebrate and sing and reflect on the goodness of God. So will you join me in trying 
not just with our next song, but with all of our lives, to celebrate, to praise, and to thank God for what he's done for you as an individual and for us as his people here at River Park and around the world. Jesus says again, the one who has ears, let us hear. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father God, as we bow our heads this morning, we want to hear from you. God, we want to see you at work in our lives in the way that we see the Father at work in the story, the woman at work in finding the coin, and the shepherd at work in finding the sheep. We know that it is hard at different points in our lives to find cause for celebration, to find reasons for thankfulness, to fi- even to find hope for the future. But we thank you that even with these pictures and stories, you again give us eyes to see. You give us ears to hear. And Holy Spirit, where we cannot uh, see or hear or understand, move in our hearts, in our minds, and in our bodies so that we might see. Seeing we might hear and hearing we might be moved to not just to understand, but also to obey and to be transformed. Teach us, Lord, to celebrate. In your name we pray. Amen.